For just a few moments, I want to take you to the book of First Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. And then to the book of Romans, chapter 12, I believe it is. Amen. Good to see Brother and Sister Twenty are here, great friends and ministers. Thankful for their friendship through the years. All the rest of you, amen. It's great to see Brother and Sister DeRuin, great people. Some of the best neighbors in the world. They don't live close to me, but they live close to my father-in-law and they take care of him. I appreciate them very much. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Paul wraps up his letter with his instruction. More than advice, it is instruction verse number 16 it reads rejoice evermore pray without ceasing in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you quench not the spirit despise not prophesyings Prove all things and hold fast. Everybody say hold fast. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil and the very God of peace. Sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be Preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful. Everybody say faithful. Is he that calleth you who will also do it. Romans the 12th chapter. Again, some of the great advice that Paul shares with the New Testament church. He said, let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to God, or cleave to that which is good, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another, be not slothful in business, fervent in spirit. Underline those three words, fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing, everybody say continuing, instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you and curse you. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that we be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Do not be, be not wise in your own conceit. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. 
And if it be possible, everybody say, if it be possible. (laughs) Kind of makes you wonder if it is, but if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, you can't do anything about anybody else, but you can do something about you. Live peaceably with all men. Everybody said amen. I think that will do it for right now. At least that's the jumping off place. Going back to 1 Thessalonians, verse 19, Paul said, quench not the spirit. One translation, and it, it, um, I cannot recall exactly which one it is, but it reads, don't let the fire go out. Don't let the fire go out. That's what I want to talk to you a little bit about tonight. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. During our recent trip, we were privileged to visit some of the most amazing and Spectacular places that I've ever witnessed. I did find out one thing. An iPhone is a poor excuse for a a camera. (laughs) I was wishing that I had some of of your wide-angle cameras because it was impossible to take in the total beauty of the structure. Buildings and structures that were awe-inspiring and uh, they, uh, they're going to put a few of those up. They're not really adequate to, to show you the brilliance of what was there. They were breathtaking in many instances, and they left you in awe of what was able to be accomplished with so little. The architecture was brilliant, and uh, the buildings that are uh, there, many of them are labeled old and new old. Old and new old. They're still functioning, still used, people still live in them. But the new old meant it was three to four hundred years old, and the old old meant that it was over five hundred years old. Many of them we went into were dating back to the year 900. And uh, Budapest, Budapest, as I was taught, one of the most beautiful cities at night that I've ever witnessed, brilliant in its color, and the, the buildings are so massive and large that you cannot even imagine. The old square in Vienna is just beyond description. And then Prague in its old architecture and its unique designs leaves you with the impression that you're walking in a fantasy land. Walled cities, structures that date back hundreds of years. What I came to realize is that they are very proud of these structures. They're very proud of these buildings. They attract thousands upon thousands, yea, millions of people every year to see them. They can talk about them with infinite detail. 
And they would quote facts and figures and dates and monarchies and they stirred up a lot of history in my own mind that I had forgotten the Habsburg dynasty that ruled in that part of Europe for many, many, many hundreds of years. The old Holy Roman Empire that had uh, its reach in such far, far away places. But one of the things that fascinated me so profoundly were the number of churches, the number of churches, massive cathedrals and basilicas that dot the landscape. Almost everywhere you look, you could see the spires of a steeple rising in the air. Some of them going back years and years and years. Many of them years in the making. We went into an abbey that is still a functioning abbey that's over 900 years old. St. Stephen's Basilica tried to take some pictures of is impressive to say the least. And Brother Clyde T., I tried to take some pictures of the pipe organ that... Uh, grace that place, but my camera wasn't big enough. Uh, the building was 180 feet wide, and the pipe organ reached the entire width of the building. And um, it was quite a beautiful sight. It was 285 feet long, and it was 314 feet tall. Matthias Church in Budapest was... One of the most brilliant, and I don't know if I can find the building itself, but um, it was just unequal in its beauty externally and internally. In Prague, there was the great cathedral called St. Vitus. It was 197 feet wide. It was 407 feet long. It was 337 feet tall. I got as far away in the corner as I could get. This is in Vienna there, and this is in Vienna. But I got as far away from it as I could, and I put it on the wide part of the camera, and I still couldn't get it all in, and I'm not smart enough to know how to do a span picture. Y'all have to teach me that trick. An archway that reaches 109 feet. I took a picture of my wife standing in front of it so you could kind of get a visual, but I don't think I'll put that up. Took them 500 years to complete it. It was finished in 1939. And yet the sad truth is hardly anyone goes there. Hardly anyone ever attends anymore. Europe, who was the birthplace of so many great things in the turning of the dark ages and the uh, the renewal that came, now sits in great darkness. Christianity was talked a lot about. As a matter of fact, in every, every uh, trip that we took, in every tour that we made, Christianity came into the conversation at least once, if not many, many times over. For the past many years, though, religion has been in a severe decline in Europe. There is nothing but a semblance of what was. 
It is clear that the Hungarians still have the trappings of a Christian nation, but it is far from a religious place when most practicing people who claim to be Christians never darken the doors of the great cathedrals. I stepped into one that was probably as large as this building, but twice or three times as tall. They were having a mass at that particular time, and I counted only about seven people that were there. The, the, the Czech Republic, where we finished up our trip, is one of the most unique towns Within a standing distance in any part of the city, you can see almost 18 huge synagogues, or not synagogues, but cathedrals and, and, and churches that have been built through the, the centuries. And yet, Czech is an atheistic republic today. Less than 20% of the population of well over 10.5 million people claim to be anything and of those 20% or less that claim to be anything, less than 10% of that actually are involved. What I came away with the feeling was that there's a lot of show, but there's not a lot of substance. They visit them. They talk about them. They will tell you all kinds of details about their beginnings and the great happenings that have been there in the past. But in reality, they're buildings without occupants. They're structures without significance. They are symbols without supernatural. Amen. They are edifices without power. And they are glaring witnesses to a people that celebrate one thing, but they lose the important thing. All they have left is a remnant of what was. And yet in Hungary, in the year 1000, Christianity was declared the national religion of the, of, of the empire, which included a large area of Central Europe. Budapest, had 18 houses of worship, or so-called houses of worship, within the main downtown area. Every city that we passed through, you could see the spire, but they're empty. Nobody attends. How did that happen? How does, does anything like that take place? The birthplace of the Great Awakening, so many men who helped transform Christianity and bring it out of the dark ages and yet today it's in greater darkness than it's ever been in its existence. The power is gone. The light has gone out. The buildings are there, but there's nothing inside. Is it possible to lose the true meaning of what we're here for and not even realize we've lost it? I would say so. Amen. When we put more emphasis on the structure than on the soul, we are in trouble. When I began thinking about what I was witnessing there, I realized one of the things that happened is that they let other things become more important than the main thing, and that was Jesus Christ. They worshipped images and they worshipped 
crucifixes and they worshiped buildings, but they did not worship Christ. They gave honor to Mary and St. Stephen and St. Matthias and Methuselah. And I'm not making fun tonight, but they had names for everyone you could imagine. And yet, I don't ever remember the name of Jesus being mentioned one time on the tour. That's how it happens. When somehow Jesus slips out of that important place in our life and things become more important than him, we become a structure but not a real substance. There's something that stirs me in that. And I came to realize afresh over those few days that the only hope we have for the future with power is to pursue that that power in the present. We cannot afford to let what we have experienced already in this service ever become old hat to us. I'm afraid it has for some of us because we've been around church and Pentecost so long. What happened a little while ago doesn't move us like it ought to. But the only thing that's going to propel this into the future that God has for us is that somehow we lay hold of that and we not let it go. That we understand that He is still the most important thing Our building is not important. What we have church in is not important. But what we worship when we get in that church is important. What we do when we enter this sanctuary is what really matters. It doesn't matter what you have on. It doesn't matter what you drove to church. And it doesn't matter what you live in. What matters is that there's a connection with another world. And that there's still power that's available. And there's still miraculous things that can happen. And there's a supernatural spirit that operates in this place. That is what matters tonight, church. Amen. I don't ever want to take this for granted. I don't ever want to get to the place that I'm wondering when we're going to get to the next part. When are they going to get on with the program? I know they've got ones because I see all of them have that white sheet of paper. When are we going to get on to the next part of the service? I do realize that your time is valuable and mine is too. We're not here to waste time. We're here to spend it as wisely as we know how. And the best thing I know to do with my time is to spend it in the presence of the one that really matters. We can be like Mary and Martha. We can be like Martha, I should say, who had the divine visitor in her home and she was so busy doing other things that she missed that good part, the best part. And she was angry at her, at Mary and, and wanted the Lord to rebuke her. And he wouldn't do that because she had chosen the best part. I want to be able to discern what the best is. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't matter. You know what? I, I, I am impressed. I love good things. I love the great talent that we have. But if we don't have any of this, we're still going to have to know how to worship Him. As a matter of fact, you better know how to worship Him without anybody helping you out. 
you better know how to have a relationship with him or with that without all the beautiful music you had here tonight. There ought to still be something down inside of you that is thankful for where the Lord has brought you and how he dug you out and put your feet on a solid rock and he gave you a purpose and a meaning in life. You ought to be able to thank the Lord for that without any kind of encouragement. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, I worship you tonight, God. I don't ever want to get to the place that I I don't think it matters. Some people think we make too much about worship. I don't think you can make enough about worship. If you read the Old Testament and you read the books of Numbers and Deuteronomy and, and, and Leviticus, you will find that a great portion of those books was written giving them instructions on their worship when they came to the house of God. It was given to them to teach them that when they came, the kind of offering that that for granted. How to come into the presence of the Lord. I don't ever want to take that for granted. Amen. I don't ever want to become so impressed with the performance that I forget the importance of His presence. I don't know how many of you have ever heard... uh, 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 What's her name? What's that French singer? Celine Dion? Is that her name? You ever heard her sing? I mean, she can make goosebumps rise up on the back of your neck. That's talent. I mean, she can move people with her voice. And I understand the power of talent. And I'm thankful for all that we have. But I want to tell every one of our talented people tonight that your talent isn't going to bring the glory of God. It may give access to it, but it's not going to bring. What's going to bring the glory is when what you sing about, like tonight, when it starts down in here, and you understand it's really not about how good I can do it. It's just simply that I have the opportunity to do it, and so I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I'm going to play skillfully before Him. I'm going to sing with all. I'm going to give Him everything. I'm going to give Him my best because He deserves my best. But when we become so impressed with our own abilities, we learn how to do it by ourselves. I've heard a preacher say before, I can preach with the anointing or without the anointing. I hadn't figured that one out yet, but I don't care to figure it out. I don't want to learn how to preach without the anointing. Because I'm ignorant enough and I'm I'm smart enough at the same time to know how ignorant I am. And that if I don't have the hand of God, none of it matters. I don't want to become so impressed with me that I forget about thee. You know what? There's still importance about the body. We ought to do things not just for ourselves, but for the body. Oh, that went over like a... Yeah. Amen. We ought to do things for the body's sake, not for my sake. If I did what I wanted to do, I would have stayed home. I didn't go home today. I stayed up here all day. I've been up since 2 o'clock this morning. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you I'm about to run out of steam. But I'm not doing this for that. What I am reaching for is something that's beyond this world. That is so 
God that when people see it, they're not going to say Hughes did that or you did that, but they're going to say God did that. (laughs) Hallelujah. I wish somebody believed that with me tonight. I know you do. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise. (laughs) They have become a world in Europe that lives in the past. They talk about it, but they have no power in the present. I am not interested in becoming a church that lives on our past. I'm very thankful for it, and I don't want to take it for granted, and I don't want to ignore it, but I'm not going to live in it. I don't believe that our best days are behind us, and that encourages me because I've been in some awesome places. I've been in some church services that I thought I I surely had to be in heaven Amen. Some of you men that ever lived, many of you have come out from under the influence of one of the greatest men that ever lived for the name of James Kilgore, and you've been in services that were nothing short of heavenly. But I'm going to tell you something. As great as that was, that's still not God's greatest work. He can still do greater things, and that's what he's promised us he's going to do. If we're not careful, though, we can live on what was. And I'm not going to be saved by what was. I'm going to be saved by what is. How am I doing with Him now? How am I living for Him now? How do I love Him now? Not how I loved Him yesterday or last week or last year or 20 years, but how am I doing today? How important is He today? Amen. I had a guy tell me one time, he said, you know, the older I get, I find out I don't have to pray as long because it seems to work a lot better. And I thought, how does that happen? Seems like the older I get, the more I need to pray, the more I have to pray. And the reality is all of us are that way. We can talk ourselves into a lot of things that are not true. Amen. But I don't want to be a church that doesn't have the power and the touch of the Almighty. I want to be in that fire that was poured out at Pentecost. I don't want to live in the smoke. I want fire. I want the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I want what I felt earlier. That may bother you. That may annoy you. That may get on your nerves. But let it get on your nerves until you get a, a revival in your nerves and pray your nerves through until you realize that what we experienced here tonight is a little touch of Pentecost. It's the touch of the Almighty that comes in when people really genuinely begin to worship Him. It's something like it happened on the day of Pentecost when they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Hallelujah. I want a service where it fills the whole house. From the back to the front, from the side to the side. I don't want anybody to be able to sit there and not be able to respond to the spirit of the Almighty that's in this place. Come on and clap your hands again and give Him praise. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.
Amen. I don't want to live on yesterday's blessings either. I want fresh blessings. Amen. We need present power. We need more of that now than we've ever needed it. We need present miracles. I'm a little bit frustrated with my own self that I can talk about a lot of things that's happened, but I look around and I wonder why it hasn't happened in my life now. And the Lord whispers and said, it's not my fault. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I want to live in an atmosphere where you never know what's going to happen next. Oh God, give us your power. Let it fall like rain in this place. Let us never get to the place where we're not looking for it. Amen. Never come to a place where we come and go from service and nothing unusual happens. Amen. I want his touch. I don't want the fire to go out. And I know it's possible that you can begin to live in what was. I saw it. I walked into those buildings. I looked at them and I wondered. One building alone could seat almost 10,000 people. Probably less than 100 people go to it on a weekly basis. And at one time, it was filled to capacity. What happened? They began to put emphasis on things other than Jesus. And when you let other things compete with him, he's going to go find somewhere where he's the still the main thing. Amen. I want him to be the main thing around here. That when we sing about him every service, I don't want that to, to, to just be an ordinary thing. But, but that's what we're trying to do is keeping him at the focus it's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's, it's always about Him. And I don't want that fire to go out. Man, I want it to burn. I want something to stir in my spirit a hunger for more and greater and deeper. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Anybody know how to do that anymore? Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray until you pray. Pray through until you pray through. (laughs) That's an old James Kilgore saying. Amen. You, You pray until you pray. That's the kind of prayer that shakes a world. That's the kind of prayer that shakes a community. That's the kind of prayer that sees the miraculous. And that's the kind of prayer that I want around this place. Amen. I love all of the giftings that we have, and I'm so thankful for technology. My Lord, it makes church so much smoother and so much nicer to know how things are going. But you know what? I told them, and I still tell them, this doesn't mean anything if we don't connect to what we're here to connect with. Amen. And I'm thankful that we've got a team around here that believes that. You ought to be thankful for that, too. Praise God. You ought to be thankful that there's somebody that's hungry enough that they'll keep reaching and saying, Yes, Lord, take us to a deeper place.
I want you to ask the Lord to help you tonight. Don't let the fire go out. Because you can become nothing but a structure without any substance. You can become a building without any power, purpose. You can talk about what was but not know what is. And I don't want that to happen in my life. I want a present power. I want a present anointing. I want his glory to be in this place now. Amen. I want it to be so thick and heavy in here that we can't even minister because of the glory of the Lord. I believe that can happen again. I believe it's happened in this place tonight to some degree. Hallelujah. That's what the future needs. They don't need a pretty building. And I'd like to build a pretty building. I'd like to see us build a pretty building. Let me rephrase that. I want it to be nice. I want it to be representative of what we think of him. But pretty building or not, I want the presence of God to be whatever that next building is going to be. Whatever it's going to look like. I can have church in a barn if I have to. I don't have enough pride in me that I won't go. I want to be where the Lord is. And if it's in a tent, I know we don't do that anymore either, but if it's in a tent, I want to go where the the glory's at. I want the glory of the Lord to be where I'm going to be worshiping. And I am thankful, and I know this much, that what we're going to have to have is that kind of hunger that will not allow the fire to go out. Amen. Stand with me if you will.